It's Tuesday, May 28th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, about a month ago, uh, several of our team had the opportunity to travel to Louisville, Kentucky for the Christian Alliance for Orphans Summit. And while we were there, Carla Thrasher and Jana Lombardo and I were able to sit down with Pam Parrish to talk to her about her books as well about her ministry to post-adoptive families. What an honor it is to be here with Pam Parrish with Connection Homes and uh, just to, to talk a little bit more about, as we've said, the long haul and caring for kids from hard places. Uh, as an adoptive mom, uh, Pam is also the founder and executive director of Connections Home and it's an organization uh, that was birthed out of her personal story, being a mom to eight girls, uh, one biologically and seven who came into her home through adoption. Uh, they're all, all of these girls are currently between the ages of 22 and 26, uh, and they came into the home, the parish home, through various circumstances, through foster care, uh, aging out of foster care, adoption disruption, trafficking, homelessness. Uh, Pam has more than 10 years of experience in foster care, trauma-informed care, and crisis parenting. She is the author of three devotional-style books used worldwide as a standard for helping families prepare for foster care and adoption. Uh, Ready or Not was released in 2012, and I know our team, uh, several of which are here, Carla Thrasher and Jana Lombardo, have really enjoyed both those books personally, but also refer Pam's work to many families. Uh, also, The Battle-Weary Parents, released in 2015. Uh, and to understand the importance of the gift that parents can be in the child's life, the gift was released in 2018. Uh, Pam was, is married to her high school sweetheart, Steve. They're parents and grandparents of eight young adult daughters, three son-in-laws, and four grandchildren, and they live on a small 12-acre farm outside of Atlanta. Well, Pam, thanks for being here, and outside of that biography and introduction, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about more about who you are as a person. Well, um, I'm from where we're sitting, Kentucky. So my husband and I actually met in high school. We met at Walmart. <laughs> so the bio makes me sound like I'm this, you know, big person doing important things. I'm just a girl that met a boy at Walmart. <laughs> and uh, we've built a family together. But we do, we have eight young adult daughters. And um, our journey really started in 2006. I came out of the corporate world. I was an executive in mobile technology back in the uh, dot-com boom. I ran a lot of dot-coms um, on the consumer side. And you know, really just had it in my head that that's the track my life was gonna be on. We ended up getting an offer to move to Atlanta to work for a church, hmm. to do marketing and web. My husband's a web developer. And at first we said, no, we're not gonna <laughs> do it at all. And they flew us in. Um, friends of ours were in Atlanta, so we were like, free trip to Atlanta, sure, let's go. And the first message that was preached um, that we heard that weekend, the pastor preached a message called Moving. Mm. It was a setup, total setup, mm. I feel like. Moving from success to significance. Mm. And we had one biological daughter at the time. She was 11. And so we did. We said yes to God, and we moved to Atlanta. That was 2006. Um, at the end of 2006, I was watching a documentary on PBS um, on the Heart Gallery, mm -hmm. you know, and that was the first time in my life that I knew that there were these kids aging mm -hmm. out of care or older kids in care that needed families. Mm -hmm. 
So we just stepped in and we said, yes, we said, okay, we, we can, it wasn't spiritual. It wasn't like God called us James one twenty seven. We just said, Hey, we've always wanted to add to our family. We've never been able to, um, this is a great mm-hmm. opportunity for us not to go back to diapers and wipes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. so we went and we became certified. We mm-hmm. did foster to adopt. We brought our first daughter home. Um, we found her on the online registry on 7707. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, wow. So her picture, and we met her and brought her home in 2007, and we thought we were done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and then God, I just I got involved in teaching our state curriculum for mm-hmm. foster and adoptive families, uh, some support groups. And um, a year later, we found out about a 15-year-old who had disrupted in mm-hmm. foster care and my husband, bless his soul, he's a saint. He said, bring her home. Mm-hmm. And so we met her. Literally, it's the classic picture that you see on our doorstep with a couple of trash bags and a, and a cardboard mm-hmm. box. And she became a part of our family. And after that, the rest of our girls that have been added to our family were 18 and above. Wow. From various circumstances, as you said in the intro, and um, homelessness or aging out of foster care. One was an international uh, adoptive disruption at 18 and at some point when your family is growing to that degree you have to stop and ask what's going on in the world around Mm -hmm. you Um, and that's when I discovered the astronomical numbers of kids that age out of foster care without a family Mm -hmm. and that's where Connections Homes was started Mm -hmm. so that's the Mm -hmm. shortened version of how we got to where we are today but God has really done a work in our family and um, I just feel like these most vulnerable among us have, we know that they have his heart. Mm. And mm. for those of us that are called into this work, um, there's really no escaping it once mm-hmm. you see it. Mm. And you just get mm-hmm. in and you say, God, use me today mm. um, in whatever way you want to use me today. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you just said, which I think is so important for people to hear is... Because I think in the body of Christ, especially, we elevate gifts. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a communicator, it puts me on a stage which elevates the significance of who I am. If I have the ability to write and to, uh, you know, to even be able to transform ideas through the written word and people see my name on a book, well, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I've been elevated. Mm-hmm. But you said you were just a girl who met a boy mm-hmm. in a Kentucky Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of families that struggle and they think... Well, even though someone writes that in a book, that they went through trauma, they didn't really have the same significant difficulties that we had. So, you know, talk about, because you really do write a lot and speak a lot about that kids coming from hard places do tend to cause these difficulties Mm -hmm. in families, just these normal families Mm -hmm. that, that don't feel significant. But that these really aren't bad kids, but it's it's the trauma that they've gone through. Talk about how even your own journey, being just a girl that met a boy in a Walmart in Kentucky, <laughs> that the Lord has really blossomed that idea in you that, and then given you that gift to communicate that. Well, I mean, I think going into it, um, we had the same idea that everybody does, that we're going to help this kid that's had... Mm you know, this hard life and we're going to bring them into our life and they're going to just love it. Right. You know, and (laughs) that everything and be Be thankful thankful. and everything's going to be great. And we learned hard and fast that that's not what this looks like. And, um, 
you know, at this point in our journey, with our girls being the age that they are, there's no, there's really nothing on this list of scary. Mm-hmm. You know that list of scary they give you when you go into foster care, and you look at it and you're like, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. And then now on this side of my journey, I've dealt with all of it. I mean, short of one of my girls succeeding at taking her life, mm-hmm. um, we have we have just walked a hard road alongside mm-hmm. them. But the beauty of God is that he walks that hard road alongside us mm-hmm. that um, you said the long haul. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the look that we have to have is that there's been moments that um, I write about it in Battle Weary. There's moments I wanted to quit mm-hmm. that I, I, I literally I remember a car ride. It was just me and God. And I was so angry mm-hmm. at at God for what was going on at the moment. And I felt like I was losing everything. And I, and I just, I said to God, I was like, you can't ask this of me. You can't ask any more of me than, than I've given. And very quietly in my spirit, I heard, but what did I give for you? And I was like, that doesn't stop me from being angry, (laughs) but it does give me perspective that, God isn't asking anything of us that he hasn't given himself. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesus is with us in times that he walked through himself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, people want to think that you're going to bring a kid in who's had, who's had loss. There's not, we all know, mm-hmm. we've heard the phrase, foster care and adoption does not exist without loss. Mm-hmm. There's heartbreak and there's hurt and there's loss that's, that just comes wrapped in the package of foster care and adoption and as that onion to to quote shrek um or donkey as that onion um starts to to peel back in our kids lives i mean that stuff just bubbles up Mm -hmm. and often it it impacts us and we end up hurting Mm -hmm. and um then we want to blame them Mm -hmm. but the long haul view of it Mm -hmm. is that life is long and for all of us it has taken years of our life to work out our own stuff I'm say my age I'm 46 years old and um, I am just now I mean like literally dealing with some things that happened in my own childhood that, that I feel like okay now is the time that I've really got I really had to be the best mom and best mm-hmm. wife and best leader that I, I can be I have to deal with this yeah. why do we expect our kids to get it all right mm-hmm. at 15 mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right. yes they're just not going to and that's why we're in their life. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answered your yeah, question. Yeah, but. Yeah. Well, Pam, um, Jana and I are sitting here pretty much fangirling. Oh, <laughs> we, um, we, we've read your books. We reference you on a pretty regular basis to the families that we work with, um, specifically families that have adopted older children and are really struggling. So we appreciate you. I just mm-hmm. want to start you. off by saying that. Um, you said something that we hear on a pretty regular basis that I'd like to kind of go a little deeper with. Tell us about what not quitting looks mm-hmm. like in a practical sense. Well, in a practice, practical sense, going back to the scenario that I, yeah. that I used, I mean, I was in a two-hour car drive on my way back home. I had this really Psalms-like discussion with the Lord, and um, I went home and literally crawled in bed and called three of my friends. Okay. Um, at the time, I had four girls in crisis, like just deep crisis, and mm-hmm. I felt like I had nothing left to give. Mm-hmm. Um, residential hospitalization, mm-hmm. just it was just 
suicidal ideation. I had one that was raging, you know, and these are all uh, teenagers, so it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I crawled into bed and I called three friends that didn't really know the fullness of what we were going through as a family. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need, to, I need to tell you something. I need you to listen. Mm -hmm. Just don't say anything right now because mm -hmm. I have something I need you to do. Mm -hmm. So I told them, and I, and I made the same ask of all three friends. I said, I just need you to cover me in prayer. Mm -hmm. Cover our family in prayer because I can't really pray right now. Mm -hmm. I have to focus on being a mom and being the best mom that I can to meet mm -hmm. the needs of what of my girls and what's going mm -hmm. on in our home. So I need I need prayer cover. Yeah. And um, I went to sleep. I got mm -hmm. up the next morning and had texts um, from my friends. They were like, here's the scripture we prayed over your family. This mm -hmm. is what we're believing for your family mm -hmm. today. Um, and it just gave me the wind beneath my wings to get mm -hmm. in the game again mm -hmm. and dig in with my kids and mm -hmm. know that greater is he that's mm -hmm. in me right. than all the forces of hell that were trying mm -hmm. to come against us as a family. Amen. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we really started to see some deliverance and some, yeah. you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't like one day was all gone, but we started to see these little lights of mm -hmm. there's hope. And, and we've still got kids struggling, and they're in their 20s now, but I'm telling you, I'm, I really am seeing, like, God's redemption in their story. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more settled than they were mm -hmm. in their teens and we're mm -hmm. connected as a family. Mm -hmm. Our girls have a sisterhood. It's not always the best and yeah. some days they like one another more than others, but <laughs> but it's solid and mm -hmm. it's connected and that's what matters. Yeah. I I love Pam hearing what you just talked about. I'm kind of really practical. Like one of the things I, I love to to give my families are practical tools that they can use when they're in this just deep dark dark place and I love what you talked about your support mm -hmm. you called your friends so tell tell us a little bit about how you and your husband together kind of formed a support plan and how you prepared for older child adoption because you were definitely older child adoption late teens mm -hmm. um, tell us how you guys kind of came together uh, prepared yourselves for that and really supported one another and even continued to call on your support system well, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, you know, we got into this to have to, to adopt one out of foster care, and then two came, and then three came, and and we were just really being faithful and obedient at mm -hmm. every step of the way. And um, our support team and our support mm -hmm. plan was built in crisis. Uh -huh. okay. That literally, we're dying on the vine here, and we need to bring in resources mm -hmm. for ourselves and 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 i can tell you that probably some of your listeners feel this way it's not easy right right yeah. to call people who have no clue like we're at kfo doing this podcast and i can walk up to to anybody here at kfo and tell mm -hmm. them the strangest thing that's happening in my family mm -hmm. and they're like oh i get that yeah. right mm -hmm. but you try doing that just in your church body as a whole right. and and they're like oh mm -hmm. really yeah. And you feel this weight on you that, that you have to carry the message of foster care or other people won't get into it if they see your right. mess. Right. Um, but, but that's not my job. That's God's job. God calls people into this work. My, I had to learn at some point with safe people to safe be people. vulnerable. Right. I can't just go broadcast it to everybody because not everybody's safe for my story mm -hmm. and certainly not everybody's safe for the stories of my kids. Yeah. Exactly. So um, you have to be very careful in that. But we did it very carefully. We didn't do it soon enough. 
Mm. Like we were, we, my husband and I were in crisis personally. Our marriage has stayed strong um, throughout it all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were tired, mm -hmm. just deeply tired. And honestly, that's where Ready or Not, I mean, if you read Ready or Not and Battle Weary mm -hmm. yeah, Parent, right. that's, I mean, it's, I lived both of those books. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember asking God when I was writing Battle Weary, can this just be a 10-day devotional? Because mm -hmm. I was having to live those moments. Mm -hmm. And um, so you just, you do what you can when you can. Mm -hmm. And I wish I'd had somebody tell, tell me earlier uh -huh. that yeah. go find some people, find yeah. your people, put them around you, mm -hmm. and um, hold on to them tightly because yeah. you're going to need them. Pam, how, has, how have your expectations shifted over the years from maybe your first adoption into what those relationships were going to look like ongoing and just what you yourself expected as you adopted each subs subsequent child? So I would have to say they um, shifted significantly because I seriously, when we started this journey, I thought, oh, they're gonna, my kids are going to be best friends. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get to watch them walk off to the school bus hand in hand. So you were very you know, typical. Very yeah. typical, yes, very typical. Very typical. Mm -hmm. um, and then very quickly I learned that that wasn't mm -hmm. how it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And now eight daughters in, I have no expectations mm -hmm. when a kid is added to our family except that God is going to use me in some way in their story, mm -hmm. but that their story is his to write, not mine to write. Mm -hmm. I'm simply an actor yeah. on the stage with them in their mm -hmm. life as they walk out whatever God has for them. Mm -hmm. And my prayer is that I'm a faithful steward mm -hmm. of that role, mm -hmm. whatever it looks like mm -hmm. in their life. And, you know, sometimes that's looked like sitting beside their hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, it's looked like walking into a jail. It's yeah. looked it's looked like sitting in a hard conversation with a birth parent that's come back into the picture. Mm -hmm. It's 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 looked like cry, you know crying over boys, all the mm -hmm. typical things, fighting with your sister. It's it's looked like saying I love you when they say I hate you. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, you know, it's looked like all of that. And yeah. so now I'm just like, you know what, God, I expect whatever you have for me today to to just be okay and my only prayer is the, the Holy Spirit you go before mm -hmm. me and make the crooked places straight mm -hmm. and and keep my mouth shut when it needs to stay shut yeah. <laughs> and and give me grace and mercy when I need to open it yeah. one thing you said a little while ago Pam was that you know through it all that your marriage was strong mm -hmm. what do you think the key to that was what advice can you give moms and dads who were at that place and they feel their family's crumbling around them. Their marriage is crumbling around them. What is that? What is one thing? What is one piece of wisdom advice that you can give couples, moms and dads going through this and how to keep their marriage strong? Grace. Mm. Giving each other grace. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because you're going to mess up. Yeah. I, there's multiple times that as a dad... You know, I could look at my husband who's down in his office in his basement mm -hmm. <laughs> away from all the hormones mm -hmm. and be like, why am I up here by myself dealing yeah, with all yeah. this? You know, but just giving him grace and being able to say, hey, honey, I need you to do this mm -hmm. right now, a specific thing. And he's like, sure. Like I gave him a track to run on and he had to give me a lot of grace and my mm -hmm. emotions. Um, we both went through uh, Empowered to Connect training mm -hmm. yeah. and became tra trainers. So he understood the principles. He, he, he got in there with me and mm -hmm. understood the mm -hmm. principles of parenting that we needed to do for our girls. Um, 
and but it's grace with accountability. I had an argument with, with one of our girls one day that lasted way longer than it should have. And at the end of it, I walked back into our bedroom with her phone and the rights to her life. You know, I felt like I had won, right? You're right. And my, my dear husband, who I still love, said, um, I think somebody needs a redo. Wow. And he wasn't talking about my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wow. know, yeah. but um, we learned the language of parenting and trauma together. Mm. And, and it is a different language. And it's a different language. Yes. And we gave we give each other grace. Yeah. Love that. Love yeah. it. Well, Pam, one of the things I love that you said is that you're not the marketing face of foster care and adoption. Mm-hmm. You know, I think wow. so many parents do feel like that, that mm-hmm. I'm maybe one of only or only a handful within my local church. Mm-hmm. And if they really know how hard this is, will we ever be able to help all of these kids? Mm-hmm. And it, it, even as you were saying that, I started thinking, because recently my family and I listened to Adoniram Judson's biography on tape or audibly, and it was funny as we were listening to it on this family trip, you could even tell, they're like, somebody's about to die. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you know Adoniram Judson, he lost three wives, he lost all of his kids to death mm-hmm. in Burma for the sake of the gospel. You know, that's not necessarily the marketing face that you no. want to put on foreign missions. Mm-hmm hey, you're going to lose your whole family. Mm-hmm. However, God calls those, that he, he will equip those that he calls. Exactly. And our calling is up to the Lord. If we try to call people, they might not be equipped, mm-hmm. but those that he calls, they'll look at the face of adversity. And even the ladies here, Carla and Jana, I know there are times that they try to talk people out of adoption mm-hmm. because if they can talk them out of it, then they're obviously not called to do it. Absolutely. And so knowing that, there are resources that can equip people. Mm-hmm. What are those resources that you would recommend that folks either beginning the journey, in the midst of the journey, mm-hmm. or right in the midst of the struggle, that you'd say these are resources that you need to get in touch with? Well, first of all, I would say just from a, from a book perspective, The Connected Child, The mm-hmm. Whole Brain Child, mm-hmm. um, any of the work by Kurt Thompson is, mm-hmm. is great work, the, the Anatomy of the Soul, The Soul of Shame. Um, those are all great things. I would also say Lifeline. I mean, you guys, I've been to Birmingham. I've done training for you. Mm-hmm. I know you invest in your families and you offer resources. So if you, you know, whether you're with Lifeline or with another mm-hmm. agency, most agencies offer training. Mm-hmm. Take advantage. Don't let those opportunities go by you because that's where you learn. It may just be the one thing that you go back and implement, like the redo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It it might be just the one thing that you learn that you go back and you're able to put, to add to your family parenting language or Mm. dynamic that changes everything. Um, And I mean, honestly, there's just tons of resources now online about trauma Mm -hmm. in kids. And, you know, I would just encourage you to, to learn, be a student of, Mm -hmm. be a student of the impact of, what's happened in your children's lives. The more you can learn about what's happened to them, the better you are at helping them become who God has for, for them to be. I love that. Amen. And, and certainly not just to plug it because you're here, but also Pam's books, Ready or Not, Battle Weary Parents, uh, and The Gift are also resources. And I think even from a connection standpoint of knowing we're not in this alone. We're not. Because so many times, unfortunately, we think we're the only ones when really the human condition is we're all struggling. Yeah. Uh, none of us are perfect. And if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Christ. Mm-hmm. And we'd be in a lot worse 
<laughs> situation. So thank you, Pam, for not only just the time that you spent with us today, but also for the ways that you have come over and participated in these trainings, because I think so much of what the Lord has taught you and Steve is such a gift to the body of Christ. So one, you're not alone, mm -hmm. uh, but also there is hope. And, and even something that we were saying before, you may never see the light at the end of the tunnel, right. but you, you have to continue going one step at a time. Mm -hmm. The Lord will equip those that he's called. And so we really need to encourage those that feel called to foster care adoption, wrestle with the call before you say yes, because God will 100% equip those that he calls, but wrestle with the call and don't rush into it headlong. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.